0: Welcome to Rich Conversations. We are joined from Tampa, Florida by Griffin Furlong. He works as a civil engineer there and he imagines the future of buildings and structures, approaching them like puzzles to be solved. His journey to where he is now is both unique and inspiring. After his mother died when he was just six years old, his family struggled with homelessness for years, but he used it as motivation and he focused on always maintaining a great mindset and committed to learning and being the best student that he could be. You know, like often, children and teenagers are encouraged that school and academics is a way out or a route to stability, uh, my experience included. And even two weeks before his graduation, upon discovering he would be valid Victorian, he also experienced homelessness again. Interested in math, he studied at Florida State University and continued to push himself. In this episode, we discuss homelessness, the importance of cultivating a great mindset, and Griffin's work as a civil engineer. You can follow Griffin on Instagram at griffin.furlong. You can also follow him on Twitter at griffin furlong. Get ready. This is a, this is a really awesome uh, episode. Excited to share it with you. Why don't we begin? All right. Welcome to Rich Conversations. We have another terrific episode for all of you. We are joined from Florida, Tampa Bay, Florida, by Griffin Furlon. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for having me. Now, why why don't you introduce yourself and share a little bit about your story?
1: Okay. So my name is Griffin. Uh, Right now, I'm, I'm currently a civil engineer for a private firm. Uh, we mostly do land development, um, but essentially my my story where I think where it all kind of begins is uh, at the age of six, my, my mother actually passed away from cancer, and it was very hard on our family um, being with my dad and, and my brother and it led down a series of unfortunate events where we actually became homeless and we went homeless for around three to four years and that's bouncing around friends, couches, hotels, motels, you name it until, you know, we finally hit the homeless shelter. So I spent, you know, about two years in a homeless shelter and in middle school, I, I made a pact to actually hit the restart button. Um, we were actually able to get on our feet a little bit more. It wasn't the greatest thing in the world, but uh, we were able to actually get in a rental home with the support of government aid and my my grandma's help. And I said, you know what, you know, I'm gonna make the choice to to use my mindset and to be positive around my situation because I'm not in the shelter anymore. So. I showed up every day to class curious with a positive mindset. I would sprint to the next class, try to finish as much work as possible. I would never have homework because I would do all of my work in class. And eventually it just, it kept, it kept going from sixth grade all the way up to my senior year of high school. Um, and I, I made all A's all throughout, you know, my senior year. And during my senior year of high school, uh, we couldn't afford the rental home anymore. It was about four months before graduation where we went homeless again. And literally the next week they announced the school announced that I was valedictorian of the class. So a lot of mix of emotions of I'm homeless and I'm trying to take my AP exams. I'm still actually finishing up like college essays and I'm still trying to figure out what, what college I even want to go to. And then I'm hit with going homeless again. And I actually had to stay with my girlfriend at the time, which was an, an embarrassing conversation uh, of, of basically asking you know, for a place to stay. And fast forward to the actual graduation is uh, I actually went viral there was a news story that was aired by my brother's girlfriend at the time. And she had sent like a cameraman to the school to film because she thought it was touching. You know, here you have like a homeless kid who just got announced valedictorian and I was super embarrassed. I didn't even want to do it. uh, But she was like very persistent and um, she sent the camera guy. We did a little bit and my friends were all like, like what the heck's going on? The very next day, it, like it went viral. I was on the phone with Good Morning America, The Today Show, and it. It honestly though, it, it changed. It changed my life because I saw the power that a st- story could have, and it inspires me to share that with others in hopes of motivating a student going through the same thing or anyone. Um, so that's kind of it's kind of my story.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a story. Now, where where were you during this time? Like, uh, what's what state were you in? So I was
1: so um, the the hardship was mainly in Louisville, Kentucky. So between the ages of um, when I was born up until ten years old, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, until my family moved to Jacksonville, Florida, which is about like twelve hours. Um, so. I went to elementary school all in Kentucky and I hit the restart button as I call it in Florida. Um, So.
0: Yeah. So, so did you tell your friends, did your friends know or no?
1: In elementary school, I kept as much of a secret as I could um, because it was, it was noticeable because I rode a different bus to school. So when I when I would ride the homeless shelter bus, it was, it was a small bus, it was dingy, and I was the only kid to ride the bus and get dropped off on this bus. So I think a couple of peers had an idea, but I don't think they really understood like what homelessness meant. And I think I was even trying to understand my situation too. I just kind of viewed it all as just, a temporary thing of just, we're not doing very well. And, you know, one day we'll all be out of here and I'll live to tell the story. Yeah. Um, but it was embarrassing. And so, I, yeah, I, I held it, I held it in and I, I was never really vocal with teachers either.
0: So why, why do you think you held it in or cause you said you didn't really understand it really, but could you feel a stigma already of homelessness? Like the word homelessness, does it carry the stigma that you don't want to be labeled under that?
1: For sure. Yeah. Like the label of being poor, like for instance, I would get really embarrassed walking everywhere and riding buses and, um, Because that just wasn't the normal. Everyone else was riding in their cars or they had both parents to take them to the grocery store. I had to walk everywhere and take Metro buses. And um, I, I couldn't invite friends over. Kids would invite me over, but I didn't necessarily want to go over because then I'd have to get dropped back off at the homeless shelter. So um, and I think the embarrassment and sort of like the understanding of, you know, my development of what homelessness even meant, um, it, it caused, it caused a lot of embarrassment because I think kids just didn't really understand. Yeah. Um, and it, and it did happen actually, uh, a parent dropped me back off to the homeless shelter and a couple of kids were in the car and they were just, they were kind of just puzzled. They were like, like, this isn't a house. This isn't an apartment. Yeah. Like, who are these people outside of the shelter? Um, and I think answering those questions was very difficult for me because I didn't have the answers. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. I didn't know why I was at the shelter. I, I didn't know why. I, hadn't, I had an idea at the time, but once I actually got older and understood more about what was happening... With you know our family, that um, it all sort of took shape.
0: Yeah. Um, now we we've talked before, and that's how you kind of found me was through my my homeless story. Ours are yeah. quite different, and the the experiences we have, which I think, which I think hits home on the actual what I tell people about homelessness is like redefine like look it up look it up in the dictionary and homeless it just says persons lacking permanent housing that's all it says it's not it's not a a physical appearance it's not a mindset it's like literally that that's all it is and you have your experience as as a youth experiencing homelessness there's there's uh i mean there's so many different situations um i remember filling out i was uh in a van by the department of human services being taken uh from the police station so i called i used to go to the soup kitchen on a regular basis and uh you know there's one of the guys there he asked like uh, where i stayed and i said oh just kind of around in the parks and stuff and he said oh you know you can get you can get housing go to a go to a, a public telephone now at this time there were like pay phones i don't know this was like 10 years ago uh and or a police station and call 311 and someone will come help you out so mm-hmm. i was at this this police station in chicago and uh you know i t- i go up to the front desk and i tell them oh like you know i'm homeless i, I need a place to stay uh so i call 311 and you know i talk to someone i let them know so that i sit on a bench and i wait and i wait and i wait and i wait i go up to the front desk i'm like uh you know it's been like over an hour an hour and a half like you know are, are they coming they're like oh yeah sometimes it'll take them like six hours and i'm just like what like because here i thought oh, someone, someone needs housing. Like someone, we got to go help them. And it was like three hours passed, but in this van, uh, where they took me to an overnight shelter, there were all these lists. There's this like list of reasons. And I was supposed to check off like my reason for being homeless. Mm -hmm. I checked, uh, in transit, but they were like, Fleeing, gain violence, substance abuse, domestic abuse, um, loss of job, traveling—like there are all these different. And it struck me: there's, there's not one experience. It's, it's yeah. like homelessness can affect anybody, and it can. It's the result of so many different things. There's not like one direct. Uh, action or cause of it—it it can be anything. And So it's it's interesting to hear your perspective on it, coming from a, a totally different experience, right?
1: Yeah, and and homelessness is actually in, increasing so because I'm I'm writing a, a book, and you know it's it's it struck me how how much homelessness has increased since even I was homeless, almost more than hundred percent, and. It's you know it's affecting a lot of students, um, you know homeless students are actually eighty seven percent more likely to drop out than students with houses, and not only not only that but homeless youth are four and a half times more likely to experience homelessness later in life, and that's a big problem. Um, depending yeah, I, on,
0: I think it's very uh. Your, your imagination doesn't have to work too hard to see how this can lead into uh, damaging effects later on, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think mindset's very important because, I mean, you can ask a lot of questions well, like, well, how does someone get homeless? And you, you hit the nail on the head. There's so many different ways. There's so many different means. And, and mine happened to be mainly financial and mental health but everyone has a different story, mm-hmm. but it affects a lot of people the same way. I mean, I think, you know, it definitely affects the mindset because we, we, you know, when we hit rock bottom, as I call it, I mean, it was rock bottom. Um, it does something to your mind. It wasn't all like, like rainbows and unicorns when I was in the homeless shelter, like it took a long time of, of patience and stamina Um to, to build that mindset to want to do better and make the choice to do better.
0: What, what was uh, the homeless shelter you stayed at? What was it like? So
1: I stayed at two different ones. The, the first one was a place where you don't want to be. It, I mean, there was like mold in the shower. There were rats living under us. You can hear them squeak. Cold, hard plastic mattress. You shared a room with a family. Um, one day I had uh, one of my peers actually come volunteer. And that was like the most embarrassing thing. Um, the second. So one, so a
0: peer volunteered at a homeless shelter that you stayed at. Yeah. And then what was that? Uh, the, okay. So interaction. Like, like when you, when you first uh, talk to when each I, other.
1: I tell you my stomach, like, just dropped. Uh, so like it was supper, it was like dinnertime and uh, there's like a little bell that rang and, you know, you can hear everyone like, like darting to the, um, the soup kitchen. And, you know, we're waiting in line for the soup kitchen, me, my dad and my, my brother. And, you know, I'm kind of like peeking in. It was actually one of the first few weeks and I'm peeking in and I'm like just seeing what's going on. And I, I saw one of the kids that was in my class and I I never felt just so embarrassed. And I, I was like, okay, do I come up with an excuse? Like, do I stay in this line? Do I go back to the bunk? Like, what do I do? Because I want to avoid the situation. And I I chose to stay in the line, but as I got up we looked at each other in the face and his, his face just lit up. And I mean, his, his eyes told a a thousand words. Yeah. Uh, He was confused. And I was kind of just looking down, there was no exchange and he plopped his mashed potatoes on. And I just, I went back with my family and and the cafeteria and I was just thinking of all the things, you know, that I'm going to have to deal with tomorrow at school of, of, is he going to tell people, is he going to ask questions? And, that's kind of what I've dealt with for many years of my childhood is, is all these questions that I didn't necessarily have answers to.
0: How how old were you at the time of that exchange
1: of that, of that experience? I was nine years old.
0: Okay. Yeah. So pretty young, fairly young. Yeah.
1: But that embarrassment was real and it like forever stays with me.
0: Oh yeah. I bet you, you still remember it. Mm Mm-hmm. What, in your opinion, how can uh, how can someone who's experiencing homelessness as a youth how can they overcome that when they do not control the external circumstances of uh, whatever situation parents? financial like they're simply you know a child or a teenager what can they do especially with their mind to stay positive and to keep moving forward and keep uh, getting better every single day
1: I think the biggest thing is mindset and there's a lot of little subcategories of mindset I, I think mindset is the absolute number one thing that can happen. That's The mindset needs to be developed. Um, I believe, in my opinion, a focused, open, aware, reflective, and positive mindset gives you a higher probability of progressing towards a realization of a worthy goal than doing the exact opposite. So if I'm not focused, if I'm not, mm-hmm. aware, if I'm not aware, if I do not reflect at the end of the day, then it will destroy you more than it can do, than it can provide any value. And to me, um, and it's easier said than done. That's why. It, it's easier, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, yeah, of course. So it's, it's easier said than done. And, and that's why um, I, all I can do is share my story. Um, because during my childhood, again, I, there was a probability against me. There was a, a statistic, like I said, uh, that, that I mentioned earlier. Um, I was four and a half times more likely to experience homelessness later in life. I was 87% more likely to drop out. There's all these statistics. And at the time, you don't know about any of those statistics as like yeah. 8 year old to nine year old kid. But I think what, what grew or what I grew was perspective. I often reflected at night, sleeping in the bunk, of of embarrassment. I, I reflected on it, of kids seeing me hop off this, you know, small dingy bus, or they're seeing me walking on the sidewalk with my dad carrying groceries. Um, I reflected a lot, and I eventually grew this mindset that all of this embarrassment was short-term and that I couldn't control these external factors. However, what I could control was this thing right here Mm -hmm. of, of not letting this define me, but for me to define what I'm about to do. And it took a while to develop. And to me, it just didn't, it made logical sense to use time towards a goal And let's say if you didn't have a goal, well, that means that you're not thinking about an end product of what you're trying to accomplish. That means you're kind of just like moving through time without any direction. I feel like with a goal or like how I like to call it a vision, because I'm a visual learner, if I can like visualize something and see it, something that I want, something that I crave, which to me was a vision, laying in the bunk bed, I had a vision of having a house. I had a vision of being a pro baseball player. I was in love with baseball. I had a vision of just being anywhere else besides the shelter. And I would dream and I would, I would tell myself that I was going to make it out of there one day. And that was the positivity. That was the seeing the glass half full mindset. So again, it all goes back to that mindset. Um, now, let's say you're working really hard and you're trying to accomplish a goal, but no results are happening. It's happened to all of us. I'm sure it's happened to you. Um, Well, we can actually break down in logical form what works and what doesn't work. We have the choice to give up and we have the choice to actually form a game plan. And, and I get it. Like, like things are very difficult at times but that doesn't make them impossible. It just makes them less attractive. Yeah. So our minds make the choice on if we want to view a challenge as attractive, I believe you can build a mindset to make challenges very attractive. And that is what I've done over the time. And again, it's not easy, but it's possible.
0: Now, is one of these steps along the way. So you have these these visions of say owning a house or you know, um, as far as like academic, how did the academics play in? Did you recognize okay if I get good grades if I study hard, this this will provide opportunities later. Is that how how did that factor in?
1: So how I approached my future was always long term. I could care less about the embarrassment and everything else. I mean, of course it it had some sort of factor, like a very short term, like, okay, I would be embarrassed, but then I'd wipe it away. I'd reflect at the end of the day. And my long-term plan was to always create a higher probability of creating success. And how I define success is how Earl Nightingale defined success. He was like a Motivational speaker and author in like the 50s, um, he defines success as the progressive realization of a worthy ideal or goal. Now, in middle school and high school, it seems like a big mission for a 10 year old to have that type of, of thinking or mindset. But I saw school as an opportunity for a way out all the time. I would listen to parents and other students and teachers talk about, you know, get a degree, get a degree, like it can get you a job. So I was like, oh, that, that sounds, that sounds very, very appealing, um, you know, to make it out into the world. Um, Because I didn't want to work, you know, I didn't want to bust my butt, you know, like doing something I didn't, I didn't love. I knew if, if I was to be curious enough and be educated enough to land whatever type of job or experience i wanted to create for myself um, i was going to do whatever whatever it took Mm -hmm. so and i was actually talking to my my brother about this today we really wanted to be professional athletes we were very well i like to think that we were pretty good at baseball i try not to say too much but i feel like we were pretty decent
0: that's this is probably the most normal thing you mentioned Uh, On the show so far, every kid wants to be a professional athlete when they're young.
1: (laughs) Exactly. exactly. But we actually, in some sort of way, like we did have that opportunity. We had a few offers to go play um, college ball, but me and him had, we were in a different situation. We didn't have a backup plan. It was like, it was almost like all or nothing. So we had to make a really hard choice. Do we go to these smaller colleges and and you know go play baseball and try to you know, figure out our, our, our dream? Or do we you know go to college and and aim towards something that gives us a higher probability of, of success or, or getting a job that will actually like help us get out of poverty? The probability was very low for baseball, the probability was very high for academia because of making straight A's and, you know, having those college acceptances. Um, So it was a very tough choice for us, but it makes me wonder, and I talked to him about it, makes me wonder, like, man, if we would have just had, like like, a very strong support system or backbone or plan B of, like, you know, having a family that had a lot of money or, like, a house to actually, like, go to, would we have been professional athletes or something like, I don't know, maybe in another dimension or alternate universe,
0: but. So you, you, uh, you end up as valid Victorian. Now, was that the goal or was that just the results of pursuing a higher goal?
1: That's a really good question. I think so in middle school, I was making straight A's and I wasn't missing school at all perfect attendance in eighth grade right before high school my brother looked at me and he was like you know if you keep doing this you can be valedictorian of of your high school you just have to keep making straight A's up until senior year and he was like no big deal right and I was like I don't even know what a valedictorian is I don't even know (laughs) what you just said um but that sounds really cool and I was like well what does a valedictorian mean he was like you just you get a speech like at the end of the year you know it's the the kid with the highest GPA and I was like okay so he planted the seed and it was, you know, deep in my mind, but honestly, I was just like doing what I needed to do. Yeah. Cause that was the only way out. It, it was, do I, do I go to school? Do I just party? Do I skip school? Do I make the choice to just like not apply myself? Well, where, where would that have taken me? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where it would have taken me. What was I gonna say?
0: So you become Val Victorian. How big is your class? It was like 750,
1: 750 people.
0: So that's that's pretty significant. That's not like, see, I graduated a class of like two oh three, and I was ranked 22nd. Okay. So uh Seven fifty—that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. You gotta—you gotta get some high grades.
1: Yeah, that was—that uh, was terrifying at the at the speech because you gotta think about it, like like seven hundred fifty people times like the ten tickets that they all could give out. Like, it was a crowd. I was. I was See,
0: incredible. I I gave a speech at at our graduation, but and that's why I wanted I wanted to give a speech, but I, I can't do the valedictorian route, so I went class president route. Ah. Uh, yeah. So, you, so you're giving a speech in front of all these people. What did you say in your speech?
1: The main idea was about never giving up and finding a purpose. Um, I basically, you know, told the class, I, I shared my story. And I basically asked them the question, are you going to live every day just kind of wondering through, each day? Or are you going to try to find this purpose? And even if, even if that takes time, I feel like your whole life is about finding this purpose of what you're trying to do, your end goal. And I, I feel like um, I left off that very vague question for them to just kind of ponder and, and think about and just inspire them through my story to hopefully find their purpose if they weren't thinking
0: about it. So did you share your story? With everybody in that moment,
1: I did, and here's okay. Here's what I'm going to tell you: I wrote my speech. Um, I wrote my speech before I was announced valedictorian. Um, I had an idea that I was going to be like the top of the class, but I, I just I was like, man, I want to share my story. I want to get this on paper, and like, I hope this comes true. Like, I, I hope I get to share this, and so I wrote it. And after that, I never touched it. Never touched it. Even after going viral on like news stations and um, like traveling everywhere, like I didn't want to change it. So looking back at my speech, I find it very funny. I open up with like a lot of jokes, but then I get <laughs> really serious, and everyone's like, "Oh crap!" Like, so if I would have changed anything, I, I I don't know. That whole delivery was 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 interesting, but um, but yeah.
0: Okay, so this happens. I kind of forgot
1: then, the question. What was the what was the?
0: Um, well, I have a new question. So, okay. so you become Val Victorian. Now you're you're probably aiming to go to college. Which colleges are you looking at? And then what are you planning to pursue? What what's what has sparked your interest in um, pursuing?
1: So, I was looking into. It was a really tough choice because, like I told you, I um I was looking into baseball. So it's like I had these three smaller schools. Um, one was like Sewanee, like a little school in, in Tennessee. Center College in Kentucky, again, just small, and then like another small school in Minnesota, which is like very far from Florida. Was, that wasn't really a tough decision, but but then on the academic side, I was looking at. Vanderbilt. I was looking at Duke. I was looking at Georgia Tech. I applied to Dartmouth. I didn't get into Dartmouth. Um, and then a couple Florida schools. I was really into uh, UCF, which is Central Florida. And then finally FSU. I mean, I had applied to over like 20, 30 different colleges, but those were those were my set ones. Okay, And I finally chose Florida State because my brother went there. And I toured there and I fell in love. I fell in love with the campus. I fell in love with the energy and people laugh at me. They're like, man, you went to the party school with the football team. (laughs) But it was like, I don't regret a single thing about that school. It was like, it was the best time I ever had. And I made many connections that'll last a lifetime. So, um, so yeah, so my major though, so you asked, um, like what I was trying to pursue I really loved math all throughout middle school and high school. And I didn't know much about other professions, to be honest with you. I I was just a kid who was just just trying to get educated, just trying to learn as much as I could. I I didn't really know about like the real world outside. You know, I I didn't really know what the different type of engineers are, the different type of doctors or anything else that you can be. But it was my senior year of high school, my calculus, pull, my calculus teacher pulled me to the side after class. And she was like, hey, like, you're like really good at this. Like you, like, have you thought about your major yet? Like, what do you want to be? she was curious. And I was like, I have no idea. I have no idea, but I know I love math. And she was like, should be an engineer. And I was like, okay, I have no idea what that even means. Um, but I'll check it out. So she kind of planted the seed and I actually started Florida state as a math major, but that seed, you know, I, I had to, she mentioned engineer and I think it was like the third week I was like, okay, yeah, uh, I'm going to be an engineer. So I chose mechanical engineering, not knowing what the heck that even meant. Um, but I, I eventually, uh, after going through some of the classes and the prerequisites, it's all the same. A mechanical engineer civil electrical you're all taking calculus you're taking physics you're taking chemistry so I had time to figure out like what I wanted so I had a realization as I was kind of diving in and learning more about each uh each industry I I was like man civil engineering is
0: very practical
1: uh, there's so that many... sounds
0: like someone. So someone who likes math. For, hey, that sounds pretty practical.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like logic. What's so, the
0: higher probability? That...
1: <laughs> I'm I'm a numbers guy. I'm like a logic guy. I follow logic typically. Um. So so yeah. It, I mean, I could have been so in civil engineering. I know you had a geotechnical engineer on on one of your. I listened to that one.
0: Yeah, um, we've had we've had a few number of engineers. We haven't had. We had a mechanical engineer on but he was talking about his hobby he was he's got telescopes that he like explores okay. space with
1: oh that's awesome i wish i yeah. had one of them. um
0: yeah we had a geotechnical civil engineer from from egypt
1: yeah listen to that one that one was was really unique but uh yeah so freshman year i had to i had to explore like what i wanted to be but i saw that civil engineering, you can be a geotechnical, you can be a transportation engineer, you can be a land development, water resources. There's so many different types of civil engineers. And I was like, well, I'm going to take the one that has the higher probability of like finding a little niche, you know, and uh, I, I finally chose civil engineering. And at the end of the day, whatever engineering you, you chose, it was all about solving some sort of problem. And I don't really have a unique story like some people where they're like, yeah, when I was a kid, I used to like rebuild things. I would like, you know, break it apart, put it back together. Like yeah. I really loved Legos. All I got for Christmas was Legos. <sighs> Honestly, I just, in, I fell in love with the language of math. And once I got to college, I started viewing the world in a different way. Everything was a number. And it was opening my mind up to the possibilities. Like after leaving physics class, I was just like mind-blown. The building you and I are in. Engineers have studied everything. Okay, I
0: got it. just right here. Just physics, physics books. <laughs>
1: <laughs> see, okay, quantum theory, that's that's like stuff you can't really see, but um, but like, yeah, like the like the building that we're in, like the soil was studied, like the foundation underneath, the structure to the water and sewer pipes that are coming to your house or wherever you are at right now, travel to you so you can do your business. The lift station across the neighborhood that's collecting your business, getting sent through a central fugal pump that was designed by electrical or mechanical engineer. I mean, everywhere around us is a mathematical equation and there's just a full language uh, around us. And it's just like, that's kind of what I fell in love with. And That's kind of how I was drawn to engineering.
0: So it's like there's all these puzzles to be solved and you find joy and pleasure in solving all these puzzles. Yes.
1: Yeah. Every day. Every day is a puzzle. Like right now. So I'm a land development engineer, which like, what the heck does that mean? I'm basically preparing the land around us to build something on. And okay. what I'm also doing is doing all the infrastructure underneath. So like all of your water, your sewer, your reclaim, your irrigation, your your stormwater management, all the ponds that you see around and um like basically all, all the infrastructure, all the grading, like how a site like like looks and uh inundates and everything. It's 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 a puzzle. And we're using like programs using all of that math language to solve the problem. So like you can do your business so that people's houses don't flood so that large 700 acre sites don't flood. So it's, it's, it's a really fun game.
0: The unsung heroes of it all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We don't, you know, we don't get enough credit, man. We make all this stuff happen.
0: Cause if you do your job, right. Then no one talks about you or you don't, we don't hear about you. You do it you know, wrong, we hear about you.
1: Oh, <laughs> especially structural, which is just like, man, that's a whole nother ball game. Like you have, I'm going to say this: you can be a mass murderer as a structural engineer. Structural have pressure, engineer have that pressure on you of holding an entire bridge full of people. I'm not a structural. I thought about it. That's a I lot. So yeah,
0: so that's a lot of stress. You got to get it right.
1: Yeah, that that's that's a huge ton. I, you can flood people's houses a little bit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they have insurance though. So, uh,
0: so do you see yourself uh, long term in civil engineering, or I would
1: I would say so. It's it's a it's a great profession, and there's a one trillion dollar um, infrastructure bill coming. So I mean for any people in college right now, I'd say definitely get into civil engineering. But yeah, I I see myself being a, being an engineer being a civil engineer for a while, but I also, you know, I really enjoy writing. I really enjoy public speaking. I like sharing my story. So how my long-term plan is laid out is no matter what I do, I'm just trying to grow and, you know, wherever my life takes me, that's what I'm going to put 100% effort in at all times. So uh, I'm excited for my civil engineering profession, but I'm also excited for all the opportunities you know around it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, shifting gears a little bit, uh, we mentioned mindset a lot. How can someone cultivate the mindset that will prepare them for success or wire themselves for success?
1: So I think it's all about Couple of things that I do at least, because I mean, I can only really share like from experience um, what's at least have helped me going from homeless, you know, poverty-stricken student to you know straight A's, magna cum laude in college, and having a profession where I never have to worry about like money or where I'm going to sleep at night again. Like that's a that's a tough journey. So as far as my perspective on on building a mindset is um, growing your perspective. And I'll start there because the more that we can grow our perspectives as humans, the more that we can start understanding the world around us and why people operate. Once you start actually just reflecting more and start growing, um, in terms of, I guess, not being so narrow minded. Once we start like building an, an, a more open mind, we can actually uh, we can learn a lot, and um, I think it starts there. And where it kind of transitions to is really building a mindset of, of being reflective. So at the end of the day, um, I always write in my journal over here, and I reflect on maybe you know things that worked, things that didn't work. But then I also just kind of um, give insight to how my life is. How am I feeling? Mm -hmm. How aware am I of my day? Did I have a good day? Did I have a bad day? If it was a bad day, that's okay. It's okay. We can have bad days. But what am I going to do the next day? So after I'm done with my journal, I go to a game plan, which I have sitting over here. I write out a game plan of how I can be better the next day or maybe like what I'm trying to do the next day. Now, that's what I do. That might be crazy for other people. Like that seems like a lot of work, but it's all about the mindset. I'm willing to put in that time and effort because I see the value that it creates. So it goes back again, building that mindset. If, if you want to start creating more opportunities for growth, I think there's a lot of value in these types of things to start mm-hmm. reflecting and to start developing some sort of game plan, because like I mentioned earlier, if you don't have a goal, if you don't have a vision, you don't necessarily have a direction. So how are you supposed to know what to do all in between now and your goal? How do you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of how like someone can begin to grow that mindset. I know that's a lot I can keep going on, but, uh, I think like if I were to say the main bullet points, growing perspective, being more reflective in game planning and being more aware about what you're doing throughout the day. Like, so how does
0: one, when you say the word perspective, right? It's not something that can just be grabbed like, Oh, like reflection. Okay. I get that. You know, if, if I'm someone who's approaching, I want to get better. What, what do I do? Well, reflect okay so think about my life i can do that um what was it what was the uh the other one you said game plan or, or uh yeah, in plan okay so that seems a little bit more solid perspective isn't something that i can necessarily grab and yes. do that. how does one when they're especially starting off how do they uh i think What you were kind of communicating is like the grander perspective you have, the bigger and wider it becomes, the more problems and puzzles you're able to solve. Because you can use creativity to pull from, oh, I learned about that, I can put it over here. Whereas, like if it's smaller, you're limited in your options of solving puzzles, right?
1: Yeah. So I think like one thing that is definitely beneficial. Um, in order to actually sort of grow the perspective, we have to be able to share stories and that can be through anything. So like reading books, mm. reading books is a story, reading books, like right now I'm reading uh, Lewis and Clark, like journals. I'm reading their journals because I'm curious as, as their perspective. I've learned so much from Lewis and Clark because I feel forever grateful for everything around me because what they had to go through Was miserable. I learned a perspective of maybe I should be grateful for all the things around me. I didn't have diseases. I didn't have, I didn't almost like die from uh, whitewater rafting uh, across the river that they were going through. You start building this perspective and you start becoming either more grateful or you learn something. And I I think I've shared this story. I kind of want to keep it short, but when I was in college, I, I met this homeless man and we both had different perspectives of each other because it was late at night. He had approached me and it was just the situation. It was uh, I was startled because I was alone and it was dark. and, And I'm going to say this, he happened to be a homeless black man that was living on the street. I happened to be what appeared to be a preppy white boy with like a nice watch and like Ralph Lauren polo and, and stuff. Yeah. We shared our, he shared our perspective. He, all he wanted was help and I turned away and I, I didn't want to help him, but I made the choice to help him. I walked away, but I, I came back. I went to the store and I went to the, like the little Mart. I grabbed him some food and I sat down and I talked with him and he was like, man, like, Thank you. Like no one ever even looks at me in the eyes and, you know, people like you, like, you know, not to bash you, but people like you, you know, with, with dad's money and just, you know, you have everything in the world, you know, I'm just invisible. And I'm like, Oh, so here, you know, we're sharing our perspectives. He didn't know that I got this fossil watch for like a crazy deal, basically almost like free. I got the Ralph Lauren polo at Plato's closet. I was homeless years prior. I have no dad's money. My dad doesn't have any retirement. He's sharing this perspective of me, of what he thinks, just based on how I'm looking. But until we actually sat down and had the conversation of sharing our perspective, we had, we had no idea. And we, we talked, and we actually had more in common than we thought. We, we were both from Kentucky. We both had drive. He was trying to get back to Kentucky to get to his family. He just happened to have a series of unfortunate events happen just like me, but I, we never would have known if we'd never sat down and actually talked to each other. So when I'm sharing this, grow your perspective, it's all about sharing stories and having an open mind and, and growing as individuals of trying to learn something, being curious about people, being curious about how the world actually works. Because when you narrow your mindset, you're narrowing all of your possibilities I learned so much from that experience and it actually inspired me to write. If I would have never had that experience, I would have never written about it and I maybe wouldn't have been inspired. Yeah. So growing your perspective can change your life and your mindset.
0: Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Great story too. Stories, such a huge part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, shifting gears a little bit again, um, do you have like three... Three people or things or books that have influenced your outlook on life? So
1: let's see, I, I want to start my, my family listens to this, which they probably will, they'll, they'll find this funny. I, I really like, as far as like financial and just thinking about like value and things, I think about the millionaire next door. That's changed my whole perspective on money and value and what's really important. When I was a kid, I didn't grow up with very many things. So early on, I learned a lot about like what things are actually worth. And we basically as humans define value to certain things. But once I got older and read this book, I was like, man, I do not need for myself a fancy car or to spend large amounts of money on like nice things clothes anything and that's changed my whole perspective on the way that i live life so i I would definitely recommend that book
0: so this book is by who and
1: let me actually get it uh let's see if you don't mind yeah go ahead Uh, i got like a big stack of books over
0: here let's let's see what i got oh it's heavy
1: okay I should know authors. I need to do a better job at memorizing this thing. So the millionaire next door, Thomas J. Stanley, PhD. William D. Danko, PhD. The surprising secrets of America's Wealthy: Millionaires aren't who you think. They really aren't. They're hardworking people who save a lot of money and live below their means. I'm like, wow, that is incredible. You can really change your life because it's all about security. People about people think retirement is just like you just like stop working. No, retirement is a plan so you can have enough money to be able to do whatever the heck you want to do. That's what retirement is. I never knew that as a kid. I just thought it meant you quit working.
0: Yeah, you go sit on a beach or a cabin somewhere.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) Till you die. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's exactly what I thought. No, like things actually cost money. So.
0: Yeah. Okay. So two two other influences.
1: Um, I'm looking at these other, other books. I'm trying to think of people. I mean, I'll say just a very general group of people are teachers. Uh, I'm a teacher at heart, and having a really good teacher or mentor, I guess I could say, teacher, mentor, interchangeable, have, have changed my life. So I had um, a few teachers in, in, in high school like the the calculus teacher. I mean, she inspired me to to be an engineer and all she did was pull me over to the class and she said, Hey, like, you're good at this. And that's all I needed to be like, wow, like that positive, you know, a positive uh, affirmation of like, dang, okay, I am good at something. And, um, in my, my college professors challenged me, um, so really, I just want to give a big shout out to the teachers and the professors that have, that have shaped my mind and, and challenged me to uh, to think outside the box. Um, I'm looking over here at my books. I I want to give a special shout out to my brother. I mean, he's my he is my biggest mentor. So him. Uh, but if I were, if I have to give one more book, I mean, you can't go wrong with How to Win Friends and Influence People. You just you can't. It's a classic yeah. by Dale Carnegie. If you literally like follow those guidelines, I mean, you will see a significant impact in, in your day. Like, <laughs> just being kind, like, actually does something. You'd be yeah. surprised.
0: Yeah. Well, awesome. So, those are good ones. Uh, do you draw any inspiration from uh, musical artists? Music all the time.
1: I I am a I am a human iPod. I I won in middle people don't years. know
0: what that is anymore. iPod. <laughs>
1: Yeah. That's you got to use a different term. <laughs> yeah. I am a music player. I am a Spotify. I am a, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm a Spotify playlist. Uh, I, I love all different types of music. I, Cause I think music is a feeling. Um, I think people listen to music for how exactly they want to feel at the time. Right. Like when I'm feeling like if I'm about to have a party, I'm not about to put on like sad music for everyone to cry to. I'm I'm about to like, you know, turn up a little bit with some yeah. Well, I like rap to kind of turn up, but um sometimes country does it for some people. Um, but you asked, so so music. I since growing up, I've been a huge hip hop and rap fan.
0: Okay.
1: I'm hip hop and rap to the absolute core. Second to that is probably like classic rock but uh i think three artists that have inspired me so i'm gonna go and say this this is a this bold statement i would say logic so logic the rapper he he inspired me to write so i listened to his albums under pressure and incredible true story on the way to college and right when i got to college, it inspired me so much that I began writing lyrics and mm. I loved his flow. I loved his storytelling, his concept. So I would say logic's up there. I would say Kendrick Lamar inspired me to think deep and build okay. sort of like my own perspective of my writing and to do a better job at writing because Kendrick Lamar is just absolutely a mastermind at like, different rhyme schemes, um, different, like, feelings, cadences, expressing major themes in his work. Like, Good, yeah. uh, Good Kid Mad City is just, like, unreal. Um, to Pimp a Butterfly, this is probably, like, a. Um, to Pimp a Butterfly, I don't know if many people would agree with this. I mean, it won't a Grammy, but To Pimp a Butterfly is just an absolute masterpiece of, of just of jazz, funk, soul, Incredible rhyme scheme, mm-hmm. storytelling. Um, I throw that on a lot, actually. I've been listening to a lot of Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. Um, and then honestly, lastly, I mean, I'm just gonna keep it rap. I, I really love J Cole. He uh, he's just more fun to me. He um, I like his rhyme schemes too. He's more of like my my fun rapper. Uh, I throw him on if I'm working out. I mean, I can throw on any album. Um, But, you know, I will tell you, though, even though those are my favorites, like actually in rotation right now. Is is honestly none of them. Uh, Kendrick a little bit, but I've been into a little bit like alternative, I guess, or R&B. So I've been throwing on Tame Impala.
0: Uh, Dude, Tame tame, tame Impala's my guy. Yeah,
1: that is like unreal. (laughs) it's the Slow Rush album and Currents yeah half the time i don't know what is being said but it's a feeling it's like an energy yeah it's it, like to me that's like a productive like i throw that on if i'm trying to get productive or i guess feel some type of way um frank ocean's good too r&b okay. i think he's actually one of the the top r&b artists of, of our time i just don't think he gets like a lot of a lot of credit i don't know mm. if he's one of the grammys but that's kind of like what i've been into recently
0: yeah that's a good uh that's a good what do you call that good stable of of uh artists for sure uh okay couple couple last questions here okay this was is, is one of my favorite favorite questions what are you curious about recently
1: <laughs> it's funny it's funny you ask that because i'm curious throughout the day and i'll actually like bust out like a journal or like a you know, I go into my phone and I write stuff down. Mm-hmm. So I will share to you, with you like what I've written down this week. And look, it's just random thoughts. So this week I thought of uh, sort of how humans are cyborgs and how we're getting closer and closer to being an outright robotic machine. I don't know how to get anywhere without Google Maps. Snapchat stores my memories and Facebook. My Apple watch tells me when to breathe, when to drink water, who needs to memorize information. I have Siri, Alexa, Google. We communicate through text emojis. And I'm just, I've been curious as to like, like when are we just going to be implemented into just a machine? And what I started thinking even more deeply about too was, I don't want to sit around a machine because who, who wants to know it all? If people can just Google every answer, what's the fun? What's the fun in like not knowing an answer and like investigating a problem? <laughs> I don't want to be at a, a party and have like this robot, like tell me everything. Like, no, I, I want to investigate with the team.
0: I don't, I don't think we'll run out of problems. I think, I th- I think we'll, <laughs> we'll continue to find problems. <laughs>
1: Do you know what I mean? They're like, okay, you know how when we don't know something, we're like, oh, just Google it. Well, yeah. I actually like, hate that. I, I like, I actually like trying to like
0: think about it. I'm trying to find this, this book. Have you read uh, Homo Deus by Yuval Harari? I have not. Homo Deus. Oh, oh here have, it is.
1: I'm going to have to write that down.
0: Yeah. I don't have the book cover on it, but uh, I definitely recommend this. This is the book I read it in probably like 2018, 2019, that really spurred me in the direction of technology and science. Okay. Um, it really captivated me. So he wrote Sapiens, which is somewhere yeah, heard- over there. So Sapiens is it- like a history of the human species. And this is about the future of the human species. Nice. So it's, uh, it's, it's so very interesting. Yeah, You'll really mm-hmm. enjoy it a lot.
1: Is it a couple of the same concepts that I'm talking about? Like, basically, we're going to be a little bit more just cyborgs or machines or no? I mean, we kind of are machines, but...
0: Yes. Yes and no. Mainly yes. But everything... So at the top of the human agenda, it used to be like, how do we solve... How do we solve, uh, if we're talking about problems that human species has war disease and famine that until until the 21st century that's what we were focused on but now for the most part you know granted we have stuff going on in europe right now but like for the most part the whole human species has solved that so what do we put at the top of the human agenda now people want to live longer healthier and happier so we're going to see revolutions uh, and the information revolution has, has allowed this uh, to become possible. But now, like the biotech revolution is happening. Uh, we have so many different technologies. Our technologies and knowledge are getting put into ourselves, biology. How do we, yeah. How do we improve these, uh, these these faulty things? Cause we're, you know, uh, so, so a lot, a lot of, a lot of it is driven with that. And now, uh, humans are hackable as far as like, we know by studying the brain, we know that when you go on this thing right here, we are trying to get, you know, certain responses from you and we're using game theory to Mm -hmm. have your attention and then commoditize (laughs) your attention and sell it to (laughs) us. It's, it's pretty wild. So you have to like, what he describes is the two most important skills of the 21st century are cognitive and communication because mm-hmm. technology is compounding at a rate that humans can't keep up with. And you might be told this information or this knowledge, but a year from now, it could be vastly improved or different. So you always have to prepare your mind to be adjusting this like mental agility and be able to like think critically, think about the world. So you can always adapt and adjust with the changing time and also understand what's happening and communicate to others. Those things, uh, cognitive ability and communication are two skills that will, will not uh, become uh, outdated or antiquated in the 21st century whereas like many others could be you know
1: yeah that's interesting and yeah. it, it's something that you mentioned like okay now we aim to live like a longer life and more happiness as you're sitting you're saying that I'm, I'm thinking well what about like you know i think it would be a really neat goal to make sure that like an asteroid doesn't like just destroy the earth to make sure that we can live longer. Maybe we should like protect this like only thing that we have because we haven't made it to Mars yet. But I'm sitting here thinking, I feel like that should be a goal, which leads me to my next curiosity uh thing that I was thinking about this week: satellites. So, like, yeah. I look, I don't I don't know enough, I don't know enough about satellites. I'm sure like there's some expert that can have a say in this but like how many satellites will it take to just like block the earth who's regulating that and what's the probability of like satellites colli- colliding and like coming back down to earth and just like killing people like how many satellites does it take to where we can't leave earth anymore because we're just going to like crash through them is anyone keeping tabs of how all these like satellites are like orbiting maybe probably maybe i sure you know, hope maybe.
0: that we're everybody's keeping track of the satellites we're putting up
1: <laughs> I, I would sure hope too but and I, was, I was just curious because i was like well how many would it take to cover the entire earth are we close to that number probably not because we can still see the sun and space and stuff but yeah i'm just wondering with all the new advancements and spacex you know sending like thousands of satellites in our in our orbit like I don't know. That, that's kind of what I was thinking
0: of. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting.
1: Will that Hold this back from actually leaving earth. Will that actually like block radiation or maybe like sunlight? I, I don't know. Is anyone studying this enough? Probably. But
0: maybe, maybe we'll find I out. We need some, to do some digging. Some research.
1: Those are just random thoughts.
0: <laughs> curiosities. Uh, okay, so last question: What's something that excites you for the next two years?
1: My immediate, my immediate answer: What I'm really excited for is to actually go speak at school. So I'm going to speak in Pensacola okay. um, to a, a a school that has high poverty, and um, there are a lot of homeless kids at the school, and I'm really excited about that opportunity because it's the first time that I've actually gone back in that, that type of setting at, with okay. a different perspective. And I hope to inspire the students there, and I hope to inspire teachers. And I'm excited about the opportunities that, that come after that too, um, of finally sharing my book. Um, I hope to publish my book this year, which I'm like, just super excited about it's been a long journey. It's such a short book, but it's like, I'm a perfectionist and no one understands how hard it is to like write a book. I'm sure you do because what you've written two now, three,
0: Uh, three. Yeah.
1: It's tough. And I'm sure like you learn a lot from the first one. This is my first, but man, it's just like you, you question yourself, you get imposter syndrome. You you start thinking like, does anyone actually like care about this? Like are people actually like going to read this or buy it or do anything with it. Um, so I've, I've had a lot of that, but I'm finally, you know, I'm excited. I'm excited about sharing it and it will be this year. So um, yeah. I'm also excited for um, just things that I love. So like now I'm in an opportunity, now I'm in a time where I can actually, enjoy myself. I, I'm stable. I'm financially stable. I love golf. Uh, I want to be a better golfer. I, I love my friends and I love, uh, exploring new places. So I hope this year, you know, I can actually like travel a little bit more and, um, kind of just like make some memories with friends. Um, and then lastly, just my job. I, we have a lot of exciting projects coming, um, you know, the infrastructure bill is going to be kicking in. So I'm telling you, civil engineering is going to be, going to be booming and it's going to be exciting times. So I'm excited for like the different types of like smart infrastructure. We're going yeah. to, be utilizing. I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. for like, how fast it's all going to happen. And I hope that it won't happen too fast because I want to appreciate all of it.
0: Wow. Well, very cool. This has been a, a great conversation, a rich conversation. Yeah. Uh, thanks for stopping by, Griffin.
1: Yeah, I I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm I'm just to be able to to share my story and, and be here. I'm I'm grateful.
0: Yeah. Well, thank thanks. you so much. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow Griffin on Instagram at Griffin and also on Twitter at Griffin Furlong. Think about how cultivating a great mindset can help you on your journey to realizing your dreams.